Hello and welcome to Expressing the Genius Within Radio, where we talk about all things self-awareness, self-discovery, and unique strengths. On this show, we interview unique individuals who are clearly expressing their own unique genius and sharing it with the world. Self-awareness is a very funny thing. In Sanskrit, there's a phrase called neti neti. It means not this, not this. Most of us stumble through life finding ourselves, if at all, through a process of negation or learning what we are not through experience. This takes a very long time and is often far more painful than it has to be. Rather than stumbling, falling, and failing your way to self-awareness, although there is value in that and it's actually how I became obsessed with it all in the first place, there are better ways, less painful ways. Our goal here is to highlight those individuals who are expressing their own unique genius, who have found it, and we wanna motivate you to follow your soul's purpose and find your own unique genius so you can express it and share it with the world. I hope you enjoy the show. everybody and welcome back to another episode of expressing the genius within radio i have dapper ryan debell also known as dr ryan debell on this episode i'm really excited to kind of share his story um we connected maybe what five years ago now ryan i think five or six five or six maybe seven wow seven um both you know kind of aspiring entrepreneurs kind of coming into our own and uh our paths crossed at a very interesting time in our lives and we've kept in contact and we've become good friends ever since and uh super proud and super amazing to watch his growth as an individual but also as a business and entrepreneur um so ryan is the founder of the movement fix as well as the T tool. And Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourself and briefly just tell us what the movement fix is and what the T tool is. Yeah, sure. Thank well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate that. Uh, always I always enjoy <laughs> our talks. Um, yeah, you know, movement fix is interesting, right? I think it took me a long time to figure out what it was. It's sort of like the first business I started sort of unconsciously about what I was actually doing. So it was actually like, I think part of the, like the hardest part has been figuring out what it was because I didn't start it on purpose. Like I did with T tool, which I'll talk about in a sec. Um, but essentially I started it as a clinic, a chiropractic clinic, but it sort of morphed into this weird online in-person workshop thing. Um, sort of by accident, I really was just sharing things online, like on YouTube that I thought were interesting that I encountered in my clinic with patients that I was working with, um, primarily people who were doing CrossFit. And so I made these videos in my garage and gyms and stuff that I would go to. And I just literally made the stuff that I was doing in person, but on videos and they became, you know, somewhat popular. And that led to you know, sort of finding that there was a uh, a market for teaching workshops in person. And so Movement Fix at that point sort of became this workshop that I was teaching. And it's sort of morphed since then. And as I've refined the focus, I really realized that what I care about is building a resource on the internet for people to learn about how to take care of their own body. You know, I think that like so much is wrong with the medical system and there's so much that people can do for themselves 
And uh, I think of Move It Fix now as the piece of the internet I am building for other people to learn how to take care of their body with the goal of having longevity of health, not like specializing in lifting the heaviest weight or running the fastest, but how do you, how do you become a healthy person? I think of like, <laughs> have you seen the movie Avatar? Yeah. Okay. You know it. when, you know when Jake Sully first gets into his avatar body and like opens his eyes and he's like, whoa. And he's, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He, I think about it sort of like that. Like, you know, we've been a human our whole lives and we sort of for, like get that we don't even really know how to use this thing. You know, we sort of use it because we develop from a child as a baby and in, into adulthood. And maybe we work out, we play sports. But I think when you get older, you sort of look at the your body and you're like, this thing is crazy. And so I kind of take it from that perspective. Like if you closed your eyes for a minute and then opened it and tried to have that perspective of Jake Sully and his avatar body. And it's like, what is, what is under your skin? How does it move? What should you be doing? What is healthy for it? What kind of exercise should you be doing? What kind of stretches should, or should you even be doing stretches? And so that's really what I'm focusing on now is making that as like the guiding sort of light of what it is it's for the person who looks at their body and is like i want to know how to take care of this so that's really what i'm trying to do now and i'm doing that in a variety of ways through interviews with people and getting their opinions via my podcast movement fix podcast and the articles that i write and videos and, and things like that so that's really what movement fix is and uh, t-tool is a physical product that i uh co-developed uh with my co-founder and it's a soft tissue treatment tool designed for uh, professionals to use on their patients for people who perform soft tissue therapy. So things like, uh, you know, scraping with metal tools or pin and stretch, trigger point, ischemic compression. It's really tiring on the, the therapist's hands, which is a problem that I really encountered myself when I was doing a lot of that work on people is that it really can – it can essentially like ruin your thumb joints as a provider if you're doing that for hours and hours a day. Right. And so, yeah. So what we did was we made an ergonomic tool to help clinicians help people. And so, you know, as I've sort of explored making uh, the second business, which now like I made that way more intentionally, as I was sort of alluding to a minute ago with T-Tool, it's much more intentional. Like I know exactly what the product is. I know who the customer is. And I know exactly what I'm trying to, why they should, why certain people will value it more than the money that it costs to buy it. Um, and so sort of the overarching thing of everything I'm trying to do is use business principles to make products to help people help themselves or help people help other people. And I'm trying to do that in a way that, uh, is some, at least somewhat like environmentally friendly. So like I'm trying to not use any, uh, non recyclable packaging and things like that to try to like minimize <laughs> the effect of business, you know, in this world that we're seeing is increasingly, you know, at least on, on the planet, we have a you know, physical limitation of resources and we can't abuse that. So I'm trying to do it in a way that is uh, at least conscious of that. And yeah, uh, yeah. so would that's... You say, would you say that you had that philosophy or viewpoint when you were back in the States, 
you know, seven years ago? Or do you think that came as a result of you traveling and experiencing different countries more recently? Yeah, gosh. You know, so for the last two years, I've been traveling and living in different countries, which has been such an <laughs> eye-opening experience to see. Like, I, I literally, like, it's probably two and a half years ago when I was going through uh, a relationship change. And I wanted to teach workshops. And I, I, like, I don't know why I had this in my head, but I was like, I want to teach workshops and travel around the world clockwise in one complete revolution as I do this, just like a challenge to myself. Uh, and I ended up going counterclockwise, but I did go, (laughs) but I did go around. I just went the wrong way, but, but like I saw firsthand the finiteness of the planet. And I saw when I lived in Thailand, for example, and they were burning their fields at the end of the crop season, like the, the pollution and, it's just the whole city was covered in smoke from burning. Like we can't keep doing this. So I think that part of part of it came from that. I also, when I was in business school, I remember this very clearly in the year 2008, I was in this class and the professor had made us watch this video called peak oil. And it was all about, uh, the oil production hitting its peak and societal collapse and all this stuff. And it was, it terrified me. So I think like ever since I saw that very eye-opening video, it made me realize like, oh, we're doing unsustainable things. We cannot keep doing it this way. And then I think, you know, traveling around and when I taught Move It Fix workshop, um, I haven't taught it in a while because I've been doing other things. But when I taught it, I went to 100, probably 100 different cities. And so, I don't know, I feel like I've seen so much of the geography in, in this last seven years that it's made me realize that like we we're definitely living on finite physical planet. Um, and so we just have to be aware of that and make sure that we're doing the right things. And I think that using a business as a, as a way to uh, affect that and try to like direct some resources and consumer demand in a way that um, not that that's the sole purpose of the business, right. But being conscious of that in the businesses that we, that we run Um, I think it's an important thing to be aware of and to at least like, Hey, look, if it costs a little bit extra to, to do something in a, in a certain way, I think that it's, you know, it's the responsibility of a, I call it altruistic capitalism, you know, like being a capitalist, but trying to do it in a way that's sustainable and good, like a win for everybody, which I do think is possible. I think everybody and everything should win when business is done well in what I would like to call altruistic capitalism. So, yeah, I don't think it was one particular thing. I think it was many, many experiences and reading a lot of books that uh, has led me to that kind of thought process. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the evolution of Ryan DeBell from (laughs) brick and mortar chiropractor to very early content creator um, to where you are now. So when you were practicing in brick and mortar, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was Ryan's philosophy and view of the world then? And <laughs> I want to get into, I want to get into the, the stages of evolution because I've known you through all of it really. Um, yeah. and I've seen yeah, the evolution, yeah. but I love to paint the picture for people because I think people look at successful people like yourself and just, 
you know, kind of assume that you, you knew exactly who you were and what you wanted the whole time. But the reality is you, you were very intelligent and smart, but you were kind of figuring it out along the way as well and evolving and changing. And we always talk about opportunities as, as lily pads that uh, present themselves to jump to the next opportunity or to uh, prepare you for the next opportunity. So let's dive into Ryan DeBell, brick and mortar, chiropractor. What was, what was that more limited uh, Ryan DeBell's philosophy back then? Mm, Ryan DeBell back then didn't have a philosophy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that I was, from a young age, I was very uh, involved. I shouldn't say very involved. I was involved and had a strong belief in very like uh, traditional Christian beliefs. So I think that my philosophy of the world was that I'm a human creation that is um, separate from everything and is own unique like an individual separate from everything who needs to believe and act in a particular way in order to go to heaven. Right. So I think that was like the, really the framework of everything that I, that I believed. Um, and I, that has changed definitely a lot, which I think transformationally changes the way that you think about everything. Um, but I always wanted to, I just, I just really thought that I, needed to make things that were helpful for other people. So I think that that has always been there. And, but, but the complexity and the depth and the understanding of why I was doing what I was doing and the reasons things, certain things work and other things don't work, I don't think was there uh, at all. But, you know, I, when I went to business school, I thought I was going to go work for an accounting firm and, and do that kind of stuff. But when I was in school, I just couldn't, or I had internships and I was like, oh, I can't do this. So then I went and stuff. <laughs> so then I wanted, I wanted to do something actually, you know what, now that you remind me by asking this question, I remember because I was doing accounting, I remember being like, if it was after watching that peak oil video, I was like, uh, if there was a societal collapse, I have no skills that would be useful in a non modern society. And so I was like, I sh if something were to happen, I want skills so I'm useful. And so what I so then I decided I wanted to do something in healthcare. And I remember sitting in accounting class, being like, I wish I was reading a book on human anatomy instead of how Apple recognizes revenue to report earnings to maximize <laughs> their you know stock price. And I and I remember punching my book when I was and I was like, I can't do this. But anyway, so I finished uh, business school studying information systems and technology instead of accounting because I've always liked technology. Um, and then I went to chiropractic school and I chose that just because I, I like alternative stuff. I don't like always mainstream things. So I thought chiropractic was interesting because it's like, you know, they're sort of rebels in their own way. The whole right. profession is like a profession of entrepreneurial rebels who just don't take things at face value. So I kind of, I really appreciate it for that reason. Um, so I studied that. And then when I started my clinic, it was basically just like, I'm going to run my own business and I'm going to help people. And I'm going to do something that I feel passionate about, which was, you know, exercise and fitness and being healthy. But I realized that I built myself a jail in a sense that I was selling my time and my time is limited and that can only lead to certain results. Like I could very easily calculate my income. 
uh, right? Because you, there's a limited number of hours, you know roughly how much per hour you can make. It's a very easy math equation. And I didn't like being able to calculate that in that way. Having a ceiling, right? Where it's a finite ceiling and there's not a, there's not much excitement about potential. Well, that, yes. And there were so many problems with health insurance companies. Like I would treat people who worked for the health insurance company and I wouldn't get paid after the fact that I had already provided the service. And I realized this is a game I can't win. Like right. this is a non-winnable game. And uh, I'd been teaching workshops also at that time. And I was, waking, I was making way more money teaching workshops and I was having way more fun. And I went, okay, I, I've learned a ton from being in clinic. I was sort of getting bored because, um, you know, I mean, it's the same stuff. Low back hurts with doing this, neck hurts with doing this, shoulder hurts with doing this. I mean, you see the same things over and over and over again. I was like, I'm just telling the same stuff to different people. And like, I help them and then it just goes away and I have to do it again. And so I, I felt like I wasn't building anything. Uh, which is partly why I think now my viewpoint about movement fixes, I want, I'm trying to build a piece of the internet that can always be there for anybody to access. So like rather than I spend an hour with somebody, I explain it. And then that information is just gone. And that was really frustrating because I like, I realized I like building things. Um, and with computers and technology and software and algorithms and automation, it's like you can build yourself an army of robots that will do a lot of your work for you. If you think how to build it and think of what you need to get done, it's like you can make it once and then it, people can access it and things can, can happen. So that's why I sort of built it that way. Um, but yeah, so the philosophy has greatly changed with a much more focus on using technology to help people help themselves instead of me explaining the same thing to people over and over and over and over again and just like spinning my wheels essentially is what I felt like. Um, and now I'm just trying to figure out how to do it more, how to, how to like scale up my ability to do that in terms of helping people. And so part of doing that is you need money. <laughs> like, if you have more money, you can do things that um, require money to do, which is needed as fuel for a business. So, um, I'm trying to collect resources in a way that everybody involved in the business wins. And, uh, yeah, so the lily pad thing, I've always had this, I, I have like a couple beliefs that I always go to when I feel like I don't know what to do. So I think of, I think of it in a couple ways. I imagine sort of like, life in general and sort of business is like, you know, it's a journey, right? It's a process. And I started by sort of crawling and I was like crawling in my clinic and then teaching workshops felt more like I was kind of walking, maybe, maybe briskly walking. And then when I started doing digital products, it felt like I maybe got like a, a scooter, you know, like when I was scoot like a razor scooter and I was kind of yeah. scooting along yeah and now with a physical product it feels like I have a bicycle and I'm just trying to keep going until I get onto a rocket ship <laughs> and so like I'm, I'm, that's how I think about it and and part of that is is realizing that in order to get on a, a bicycle you have to get off the scooter right in order to, to get on the scooter you have to stop walking and in order to walking you can't crawl anymore and those transitional points are very hard the you know those are essentially growth things where you have to shed a part of yourself in order to grow and i think that 
it's really easy to get stuck. It's so easy to get stuck because you're afraid to stop doing something that you know worked to a certain degree. And I think overcoming that is the key to everything. If you can overcome your ability, if you can overcome your fear of growth, and the fear of growth is you're giving up an identity in a way, uh, that is so important, right? Because like if, I do an exercise sometimes where I'll imagine my whole life, if I, like if I really crushed it, what would that look like? You know, what is the story that I tell myself like about what I'm doing? And I was doing this and I realized, man, if I got stuck when I was 25 doing this and I couldn't grow out of that for 30 years, I wouldn't have been able to do this and this and this and this and this and this, which helped all these people and it got all of these things done that I think are important. And uh, so that keeps me able to push through the discomfort of changing sort of like my identity in a way, you know, because as a clinician, your identity is a clinician. Like I'm a, I'm a doctor of chiropractic and I have a clinic and I help people and then giving that up to then be like, well, I now, who am I? If I'm not that, who am I? (laughs) And I think that that blocks you big time, uh, which is very challenging to get through. But I think once you do, you can really propel yourself. And that is not a, pain-free process those are growing pains so what do you think or what what is your advice to anybody who um is not aware that they're in a cycle of identity without you know uh facing their fears of growing and growing where it's kind of this unconscious you know, stickiness where they, they just don't know. How, how do you become aware that you're even in that phase or stage where it's time to become uncomfortable again? Because you've done it many times, um, done it successfully, and I know you're hyper self-aware. How, would you, how do you keep that to somebody? Um, and, you know, is it for everybody? Well, you know, I had some... I don't know exactly how to do it when I was I had I had like childhood trauma when I was like 10 and I and I went to like counseling like therapy sessions from like the from like the age of 10 to the age of 18 and so I I think through that process like I I understood how to verbalize and understand my internal environment and I could explain that externally to somebody else and I think through that because I think you know like I don't you know I always like like think about my past and I'm like how did you know or like the past of human history like how did we get to this point I don't know why I I think about that but I think about like why am I the way that I am and so I did all these therapy sessions like weekly for several years in that time period from 10 to 18. And I think that it, that helped grow the, a self-awareness and an ability to analyze and change myself. Um, and I don't know exactly how to do that. I think you have to get away from all of the distracting things that you fill your mind with. Like if you're always watching movies or if you are always working or if you are always looking at YouTube videos or Instagram or whatever, you don't, you don't even have time. You don't even have the capacity 
to analyze yourself. So I think you need to like create empty space and just sit there and think about things. And I just don't know if there's any way to do that. Maybe like some sort of, uh, you know, certain chemicals, you know, <laughs> like certain certain yeah. like drugs can like force you to see that and confront it if you go into those experiences with that frame of mind that you're trying to learn something about your existence. Um, journaling, I'm sure journaling about why you feel what you feel, but I think you have to real. I think. I think there's like a couple fundamental things. I think you have to really understand what you are as a living creature, right? Like, and that probably maybe sound, could sound weird, but you know, it's like, if you think about it, your mom and your dad like formed a two celled thing. Right. And then what did that grow out of? It literally grow. It really grew from the food that your mom ate, right? Like that's where the actual like atoms came from was the food that your mom ate. And the food is the earth, right? Like the plants. And then like if animals ate the plants, the animals grew from the plants. So like you, literally your body is made of the earth. So like then what are you? And I think when you start thinking down those if you, you know, if you care to think down those lines of reasoning, you realize that, you know, you're kind of like, like, what are you? And when you start to analyze that, you realize that, well, you're this strange creature that is formed somehow out of the materials of the universe and you are self-aware. And I think when you realize that, you realize that you have a brain that is a tool and when you realize that you are not your brain, you're not the way that you, you're not your think, you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions and you're not your body. You're sort of like the sum of all of those things with the, like the energy that makes it all happen. And, uh, because like, you know, what else is it? Call that the soul, call that the energy, whatever. But you have a brain as a tool. And when you see your brain as a tool, you realize that you can program it intentionally and programming it intentionally means we all tell ourselves some story about who we are, whether you realize it or not. And like Jordan Peterson, for example, has his um, past and future self-authoring program. Yeah, that's great. And I think that that makes you aware of the story that you're telling yourself. And, and uh, you know, our reality is a reflection of the story that we're telling ourselves. Because you, you could tell yourself a negative story about yourself, right? You could tell yourself like, well... Like I could tell myself like, well, I was a clinician and I didn't really like it. And so I did this other stuff and then I, you know, no, or I could be like, well, I did this and I found out that I had other passions and I wanted to use that to continue to do this and this and this. So I purposefully tell myself a story that propels me forward. And I do that on purpose. Like I actually purposefully tell myself stories that make me excited about my life. And why would I not do that? It's my brain. I yeah. can tell myself whatever freaking story I want. Right. And, uh, you know, is it working or not? I don't, I mean, who's, who's even to judge that, right? So I try to look at things and if I ever feel like negative about something, I'm like, wait, wait, wait what am I telling myself? Am I telling myself a story that I want to tell myself? I think you have to be rooted in reality and have some sort of like way to <laughs> make sure that you're actually on a trajectory that you want to be on. But when you realize that you that your brain is your tool, 
um, you can change the story and change the identity of yourself in a way that you want to manipulate your thinking to get you to a point or to get you to a state that you want to be in. And so that's what I've been really working on lately to get over the challenges of, hey, I was this clinician in this clinic and then I was teaching these workshops uh, all over the world, which was crazy now that I look at it because I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that like I created this workshop business where I taught all over the world and traveled around the world and I sort of did it by accident and then to like kind of give that up to continue to grow my business pursuits is really hard. Uh, not, not that I've given it up, but I've certainly like spent a lot more of my time doing other things. Right. Uh, and sort of giving up, giving up that excitement and that joy of going around and teaching. I mean, it was super fun. And, you know, there's like a certain status and almost like ego that can get built, not like an ego in a like conceited way, but just like a certain personality that you like. Your identity. Yeah. My identity was tied up and like, I'm this guy who teaches workshops and people like it and it's fun and I get to meet all these people and then being like, well, I'm actually going to transition to a different business. You're giving that up. But, but if, but if you tell yourself a story in a way where you like that transition, it makes it way easier, way easier. And and it has to be a story in, in where the transition makes you more excited than not transitioning. So like I've told my story be like five steps beyond right now to the point where like, I am going to try to capture some of the sun's energy in space and like laser it down to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to tell too much of my story, but like I know what I would like to do if the world like somehow doesn't collapse before I'm 60 years old. I have like, I've told myself like, okay, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this, and then I do this. I love it. And, and that's how I get through it because otherwise – and then I and then I go, wow, good thing I didn't get stuck just teaching workshops because then all of those other things for the next 40 years I wouldn't have been able to do. So when you tell it to yourself that way, it's like you have to grow. Otherwise, you, you're like – you know, you're, you have so much of this unfulfilled potential that you've already envisioned that, you, that like not growing is preventing you from being able to achieve. And those things have to get you pumped. Right. Otherwise, you won't do it. You won't go through the pain. So the pleasure of doing those growth of the things that come after that have to be greater than the pain. Otherwise, you won't do it. So, it. yeah. And then I just try to focus on what's the next obvious move. Like I know my next most obvious move and I'm focused on executing the next obvious move because if I don't know – because I know like where I want the trajectory to grow but I don't know all the moves. So I focus on executing as best as I can on the moves that I can see like in front of me, like let's say a mile and I can't see what's 20 miles in front of me, but I can see what's the mile in front of me. So I'm going to get to that waypoint in a mile and then I'll figure out what to do when I get there. And you have to have a certain faith that when you get to that next waypoint, you'll know what to do and you will. And I've never not known once I got to that waypoint, but it's so easy to get concerned like, Oh, but what am I going to do at mile 15? Don't worry about mile 15. Just get to that next waypoint and understand that there's a direction that you're trying to go in. Because you have a story of what you would like to accomplish. And it's so fun, right? You get to write what you want to do. Absolutely, so yeah. Imagine what you want to do. Like, I literally write down, like, and then I do this, and then this happens, and then this. You know, it's just using your imagination. And, yeah. uh, you know, why would you not do that? I mean, look at what Elon Musk is doing. I mean, obviously, he didn't accidentally do that. 
<laughs> you know, like he didn't, I mean, t- like I look at people like that and I, and I, and I go, wow, he clearly knows how to give up something to grow, right? Not give it up. I mean, he sells his companies for like hundreds of millions of dollars, but like what if Elon got, was just still working on PayPal? Yeah. PayPal would have been maybe amazing. Maybe it would have been uh, worse than it is now. You know what I mean? Because sometimes entrepreneurs and visionaries have a way of uh, building and then uh, becoming resentful of the, the tr- you know, the prison that they've built for themselves. And sometimes they like to burn it down just to see if they can start over again and do it again. Right. So who knows? I mean, it might've been better right. off. He sold it right at the right time. And uh, PayPal is what it is today because he sold it. Not, you know, not any other way, which right. is it. And, and if he hadn't, if he got stuck just being like, okay, I'm going to run PayPal. We wouldn't have Tesla. We wouldn't have SpaceX. We wouldn't have all the things that he's doing if he had gotten stuck there. Like, we should be very happy that Elon didn't get stuck there because, you know, I believe that his technology that he's trying to develop is going to have a great impact on the positive impact on humanity. So, like, look at your own self, right, and be like, what if I got stuck where I am? All of the things that I could do can't happen. Yeah. Your, your future, what would your future self come back to you and say to you if you do not do this, right? What does that look like? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like meditating on and visualizing what your, what your like ideal future self is doing. Like I know there's a version of me in another like alternative universe who would crush me right now, right? Like I know that I haven't made all of the optimal best choices, but I know that I'm trying to, and that I'm aware that I'm trying to, but I know that there's a Ryan in another universe that is like doing things that I haven't done yet. And that kind of like gets me going like that's unfulfilled potential. And, um, I really want to fulfill as much of my potential as I can while I'm here, you know? Yeah. I think about it as, you know, what if I actually did all of the things that I could be doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we know that, you know, we're probably fulfilling even very self-motivated, driven individuals, maybe 20% of your potential or capacity. And, uh, you know, it's that constant fight of continuing to motivate yourself. And I think that's what you're talking about, having something so exciting that you're driving toward to keep you motivated enough so there's no entropy in your action and it doesn't just revert back to like 10%, right? Yeah, and I think you also have to play to win and not play to lose. And I and I think that I was playing not to lose for like a couple of years and I didn't realize that's what I was doing. So defense. If I was playing, yeah, I was totally playing defense. Like, like my goal was, you know, I didn't, I didn't like, it was like a goal deep down that I hadn't actually been consciously aware of, but my goal was to not run out of money. Right. And which is a very limited scarcity mindseted, you know, approach, which ultimately creates the reality that you're, you're creating for yourself. Yeah. Like it's so much more exciting to play to win instead of just playing to not lose. Right. Like it's a, such a different, like being able to flip that switch. It sounds very, so obvious, 
but really actually doing it is much harder than it seems. At least for me, it was maybe other people it's way they can do it, but it took me like a lot of work to be like, uh, no. And the reason was because I didn't understand the metaphysics of it. As soon as I understood the metaphysics of how it actually happens, I was like, Oh, of course it works that way. And once I understood that, um, that is when everything changed. Yeah. So the best way I've heard that described or put is, you know, basically we have a, a thermostat setting that we've set for ourselves, and usually that's set fairly low. Um, if you want to, you know, relate it to potential, and let's just say you want to be working at 90 degrees, but your subconscious has set its thermostat at 70 degrees everything you do is going to align with that 70 degree setting. Even though you want that 90 degrees, you'll never get it because your thermostat is automatically set, right? So reality aligns itself around 70 degrees. Your subconscious aligns your actions and your thoughts around that 70 degrees without you consciously even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read this book recently called um the science of getting rich by wallace wattles which i think was written in the year 1910 and in that book he described because i i think part of what was preventing me from doing the things i really wanted was i didn't understand how value actually was created and when i understood that um which I can summarize briefly if, if that's something you think might yeah. be interesting. Please, please. Um, so basically this, right? Everything in the universe, if you read like any physics books, right? You keep cutting and cutting and cutting stuff and you get you get down to the atom, you get down to the subatomic particles, you get down to the quarks, and then you keep cutting and cutting until you basically get to like a theoretical string. And then you can't measure it beyond what's called the Planck length. So basically everything is made of, at least theoretically, that we understand and because we can't cut it farther because we can't like bounce an electron off it and see it. Um, it is made up of the same thing, which is like these little strings. Or if it's not those, it's little, little particles. So everything is made of that. And so over time, right, depending on what you believe, and so I'll make my beliefs clear, I think, as I describe this, but everything in the universe has just been like, bouncing around and let's say that that bounced around until we got to where we are now. So that's sort of nature using randomness to create to the point that we're at humans. So, so basically nothing like nothing has been created by a conscious brain unless, you know, you could, you could argue, I guess that sort of nature has a consciousness, but not like like a human consciousness, right? Where we can like be like, hey, hmm, let me do this. So there's really nothing new in the universe because it's all basically been the same matter and energy just recycled into different forms over billions of years. But humans have creative thoughts. And because we have creative thoughts, we can think of things that don't exist yet. And because we have hands, <laughs> we can physically manipulate the materials of the universe in a way that we can reform the materials that have always existed in a way that creates value. And so that value comes from the creative thought 
and then doing some action to then manipulate things to create something that's valuable for somebody else. And that, and then somebody else will pay money for that if the thing that you've created is more valuable to them in how they'll use it than the value of that money to them versus other things they could buy. So the way I think about it now is the universe is ever-expanding. So we have literally a limitless supply of these particles that we can use our creative imagination to convert into valuable things for other people. And so it's literally limitless. And so now I think about when I'm doing business, I it's not me competing with anybody. The game is me using my creative imagination and actions to, to change as much of this material into useful things as I possibly can in a way that doesn't damage the ecosystem of the earth. It's like, so that's how I think about it now. It's like, I am trying to do that. And because of that, I deserve any reward that I get for doing that work. And so it's just completely different paradigm for me rather than like, oh, I'm going to compete and try to make better videos than somebody else. So I get more followers and I can sit no. I'm trying to create as much as I can that wouldn't have existed had I not done it. But, you know, the problem with that, I think, and the argument against that is like, if you let capitalism run wild, we end up destroying ourselves and destroy the ecology. So I think we have to have like economic, you know, growth. We need some economic growth if we're going to have a growing population and expect like a, be a better physical standard of living. Although I would, you know, our standard of living is pretty good. Right. Um, but we have to do it in a way that doesn't damage ecology. And what's crazy is like, look at Bitcoin and Ethereum. The, they don't even physically exist. It's literally value that has been like encoded into like the energy and, and like zeros and ones on magnetic hard drives somewhere, whatever, however it's physically stored. Like that's not even really a physical thing. So like we're creating value, not even using physical objects anymore. You know, I sell my digital products. What are those? Those are literally zeros and ones. Like those are literally like on and off codes. It's not even a physical item. And so I think that there's, you know, ways that you can create value and, and run a business that doesn't like require a ton of ecological damage. Um, so anyways, that thinking really changed it because now it wasn't like, oh, I, I'm not playing, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to play. I'm, I'm not playing to not lose now what i'm trying to do is purposefully use my creative imagination and manipulate the physical war physical universe in a way that creates value for other people some of those resources get directed to me and everybody can win because the universe is limit limitless and so that's how i think about it now and that i mean that's just totally changed my perspective on everything so now it's not like oh i hope i don't run out of money it's like how much can i get done so scarcity to abundance, um, but also having <laughs> supreme faith that uh, that philosophy will work. Because, you know, if you look at it at face value and you look at it from a logical, intellectual perspective, it doesn't make sense because you could spend, you know, a thousand hours building something for somebody else and not get paid anything for it, right? So you really mm -hmm. have to have this kind of supreme faith and understanding that that is indeed how the fabric of reality is is established in a way right 
that you could go all in on that philosophy now. Uh, but it is, I would, I'm, I'm sure it is a scary leap at first, right? Very scary. And yes, you, you definitely have to have faith. I think I proved it to myself enough. Like, oh, that's why this stuff works. Cause I'm creating something from my own imagination and I'm doing, and then I've like, I've seen the resources flow in response to doing things that way. And it does take faith, especially at first. I think that, yeah, you could make something and nobody buys it. And that's because you don't understand the value that you're creating for your customer. And so then, you know, it leads you to some of these like business type topics that you read in a lot of business books about avatars and understanding your customer and what do they value and making things that solve their problems. Like a, if you were to read the book, for example, uh, like the startup owner's manual or lean startup, something like that, where they talk about or uh, disciplined entrepreneurship, where you you can literally like, try to calculate the use value of your product. Um, yeah, I like to make things for myself or for my past self or for my uh, or for like people that I know. So th- so when I make something, I I make it with like those people in mind. It's so like T-Tool. I made it for myself. Like I knew exactly what I wanted it to be because I had used those types of, you know, or like other tools that sort of fall in the same category. I'd used those for years. And so I knew what I wanted. And so I, we made T-Tool like from our own experience. And so I think that's why it's been successful is because uh, I, I made it for myself. I knew the use case. I knew I knew the problems and I knew how to make something better. So it's like, yeah, you can't just be whimsical and sort of like mystical about it. I think that you have to bring those sort of theoretical concepts of reality and the universe and particles and thinking and all that stuff into a tangible, actual thing in a physical world where, you know, you're dealing with other humans, you're dealing with decisions and psychology and like things that people are actually doing, uh, so it's like taking that abstract and bringing it concrete. But I do believe those principles are are correct. Um, and you can only know that by doing it and seeing it work because <laughs> it you know, makes it easier. In theory, you know, it, it doesn't sound like it will work, right? Or, or you might have faith in it, but you might not execute properly and it doesn't work. So it's this interesting experiential wisdom gained only by taking that risk and um challenging yourself to have the faith that it will work um i think our habits and our patterns are so deeply ingrained that you know maybe it isn't working as fast as somebody might want it to work so they revert back to that old philosophy and kind of kick the other one to the curb um so it, did you experience that at any point during this process of and, and by the way, how long ago was this kind of change or shift for your your philosophy? Well, um, I would say it began around two and a half years ago. Uh, when I started T-Tool, so I, I self-funded T-Tool after I saw an, a very, very early prototype. So I basically sold my clinic and used all that money to basically fund T-Tool. And, um, Elon Musk, early Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, Basically, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to make that comparison at this point, but, uh, I, I have aspirations to do very cool things and I don't know, we'll see if I can do them, but I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do really cool stuff. I mean, what else am I going to do? 
(laughs) That's one philosophy I've thought about a lot is like, I didn't, I'm, I'm here. I didn't ask to be born, but here we are. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do, but try to figure out what you can do? That's like what I'm, I want to do while I'm here. I want to figure out what the hell I can do. Figure out why you're here. Maybe. Cause maybe, yeah. everyone, maybe, maybe you decided to incarnate into this body at this very <laughs> moment in time. And maybe it was preordained. You don't know that, right? That so, could be the I, story I tell myself, right? Like I could tell myself that story. Why, right. you know, if you, if you wanted to, you could tell yourself that story. Fun. It's more fun, more, more motivating, more exciting. Yeah, exactly. And it's your story to tell who cares. Like, is that psychosis or is that intelligence? <laughs> like to tell yourself a story, like I am the reincarnated such and such, and I am here on this mission. It's like, if, if no one gets hurt, what is that? Does it really matter if somebody thinks that? Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, so when I sold my clinic and I started the, the T tool company, um, it was scary. I mean, I was like, I could do many things with this money, but I decided to, I was, I decided. And the thing that drove me was I want to know what I can do if I fully apply myself to something. Yeah. That was the thought I had to have. What can I accomplish if I really, really try? And so that's that I had to like, just every morning tell myself that I am going to see what I can do if I really try. And if I fail, I'd rather know that I would rather know that I really tried and it didn't work than be like, what if, what if, what if? So, um, it's, I mean, it, it, there's definitely scary things. I think when you try to run your own, your own business and it's like, look, it's, it's all on you to make it work. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't work, you have to have, you know, you got to figure something else out. But if you don't try, then like, okay, when I, when I get older, I don't, I know that I don't want to be, uh, I know that when I'm older, I want to be a successful entrepreneur that teaches other people how to do it. Like that's what I, that's where I really want to go with this. At least at this point, I want to be like, I love presenting and teaching people. I've learned that through movement fix workshop. What I want to do when I'm like 50 is I want to be teaching other younger people the skills and things they need so that they can do it too. And so how do I do that? Well, I have to become a successful entrepreneur. Well, how do I become a successful entrepreneur? That's 50. I need to be a younger entrepreneur who's not successful yet, who's trying to become successful. Right. So so the sooner I get on that path, like you'll never be a successful old entrepreneur if you're not a new young entrepreneur who hasn't reached their levels of success that they want yet. What I don't want to be is like an old guy making stretching videos on the Internet. So (laughs) what's the best way to not be an old guy making stretching videos on the Internet? Don't be a young guy making stretching videos on the Internet. It's like that. Like that's where that path goes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I want for me. So I don't want to make it come across that way. Right. I want to be somebody who teaches other entrepreneurs how to do it. And I don't want to do that unless I've done it and I've crushed and made a ton of money doing it in a way where everybody wins. So I have to do that myself so I can unlock that and then I can pass it on and hopefully help hundreds of thousands of other people do it and learn 
from the experiences that I went through myself with the intention of doing that because I think that the world can only become a better place if we have people running businesses who are doing it in a particular way because what we can't have is greedy people running businesses where they're exploiting the unaccounted for costs of pollution and ill health and those things, right? Like look at Coca-Cola. There is a serious cost to the health of people consuming their product that is hidden for decades and then shows up as medical costs 20 years later. That is a leak in the system that is a cost that is an external cost that's not accounted for. I want to teach people as I go through this myself and figure it out myself and figure it out in a way where I really, because you know, and the reason I say this is like one of the things that bothers me is seeing people do things that they haven't done themselves and teaching it. Like do it yourself first, show us the businesses that you've started and run and then, then do it, you know? So that's, that's the approach that I have. So I want to create a lead, a generation of people who want to run businesses in a way that they don't take advantage of hidden costs that are legal because the system is flawed, but that, have principles and integrity to do things in a better way where everybody wins. And so I can't do that if I get stuck in my path, right? So I I feel like I have to change my identity and I have to grow to be able to achieve that because that's what I feel like my ultimate ability to help the world is by doing this and then teaching other people how to do it so that I can unlock other people's abilities. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's a it's a a noble, grand and worthy aim. And I think we all need to focus on, you know, who is it that we want to become? There's a, you know, there's a, it's a, a very important first step of understanding ourselves and self-awareness. But then we have to just kind of understand that, put it to the side and say, you know, ultimately what you've done, who is it that I want to be? at the age of 50? And how do I grow into that? What do I do? What actions do I have to take on a daily basis, monthly basis? What risks do I have to take? And, you know, if everybody just did that and everybody just understood that they could, you know, fail and they could, you know, what if everybody just tried their hardest at everything? Mm -hmm. What would the world be? And I don't think, you know, the world from a potential standpoint is even at 5%. No, not even close. I don't even think it's at one percent. Probably I mean, not at one. Think, think about this, right? Right now, we're we're digging up old plants and dinosaurs and animals like that got turned into oil, and we're burning it to create <laughs> energy because we don't have the technology or the like. The, the I mean, I mean, I guess we do sort of have the technology, but like, what, I don't think what we can do is cover the the planet in solar panels, like. The, guess what else is a finite resource? The freaking surface of the freaking earth. We can't cover the earth in solar panels. Yeah. That's, that is a limited resource. What we what we need to figure out how to do is collect the 99.999999999% of the sun's energy that doesn't even get close to earth and figure out a way to bring that back or some other energy source, right? So imagine if everybody in the world started figuring out how to do, I think, three key things. Number one, collecting or 
it's not creating energy. Right? We don't energy is not created or destroyed, right? It's just manipulating things in a way that we direct energy in a way that's useful for humans, right? That's what we're trying to do. We do it in a in a way that's silly right now because we can. I mean, it's probably what we have to do to create the technology to be able to get that energy. So we need a way to do that with the energy. Then we need algorithms and software, and then we need robots. And then what we need to do is get all of the crappy work that no human wants to do and then use the sun's energy or whatever energy of the universe and put it through algorithms that are powered by that, that power robots to do all the work so humans can be free to create. It's like if, if everybody just worked on that, think about what the world would be like, you know? So if anybody's listening to this show and wants to invest in Ryan's new idea, new business venture, partnering with Elon Musk. But no, I think that's, you know, it's another great way to look at it where solar would be a good step, but more of a band-aid than a, a permanent solution. Um, and I think, you know, we need more visionaries to think well outside and, and beyond that to think 10 steps ahead to say, how do we even skip that step? If we could, and not, you know, uh, pigeonhole ourselves into a band-aid solution. Yeah, I mean, like everything is about energy. Like, if there's one, if there's, like, energy is the key to everything, right? And it, like, if we had the ability to just have unlimited energy, okay, great. Now we don't have to burn oil and pollute the air. Okay. What else does that allow us to do? Well, we have software. Software can do all sorts of things better than humans. And then so we can develop the robots. And then the software goes in the robots and then the sun goes through. And so we've created like a system that can do all the things for humans so that we can do what we want. Because right now we have to use other humans to do that in a way that like pays them very little and essentially is like paid slavery in a lot of ways because of the system that we built. Like imagine 500 years – like. If you look at an apple, how many how many seeds are in an apple? Like every apple has more seeds in it than the apple, which grow trees, which grow tons of apples. Like nature should be creating such a surplus, but we've constructed our society unknowingly in such a way that uh, we have to do things that we don't want to do to get money to even buy food when in, in reality you should be able to walk around and pick an apple off a tree. You know, like and then the tree – produces so many apples you can't even eat them all but we've like built a society on oil sort of unknowingly of what we're doing and now we've created a little problem for ourselves and i, and right. I just don't see, i just don't see any way out other than the uh collection of energy putting it through algorithms and robots to do all the work for us because otherwise it's like you have all these people suffering because they have to do jobs that they hate because they're, you know, maybe they're born into a certain level of a system that's rigged against them and they, they can't get out of it. And like, how unfair is that? Yeah. Now, what do you, do you think that there are solutions that are being um, held back to keep the old system afloat? Um, I have no, I have no idea. I mean, this is why I'm so fascinated by Elon because like when you hear him talk, he, I mean, he definitely understands, like he's definitely tangibly taking action on this. I mean, what is, what is a, what is he doing? He's literally collecting the sun's energy through solar panels and getting cars to drive themselves. I mean, that is exactly the same, like that's exactly the same thing. But what we need is more ways to collect because 
like where does it where does it go? We we need more and more energy because we you know have more and more robots. And how do we get that? We would need more and more solar panels. Well, like what are the unintended consequences of like covering the earth in panels? Right. I right. just don't know. I mean, is that is that ever going? Maybe that's not a problem. But I mean, that's literally what Tesla's doing. Like he's literally collecting the sun's energy and making robot cars that drive themselves. We just need yeah. robots to do everything. We need robots that go collect all the plastic out of the ocean. We need robots to do like farming. We need robots to clean. Like imagine a world where robots did all that stuff and we did it through just collecting the energy that's freely available. So like he is such a visionary in that and I think it's so incredible and it and it is inspiring to me and I want to learn these principles, put them into practice, make it work for me so I can then – Teach other people how to do it because I love. I think that uh, teaching is something I love to do, and I and yeah. I think that this is the most important thing that I could teach. But I but I, it's gonna take me years or decades to figure out how to do it. But uh, it's, yeah, I don't know if that's just like being stuck in quarantine and pandemic time for. <laughs> well, you are your your natural teacher, and it really doesn't matter what you're teaching. Um, so long as you're excited about it and motivated by it, and you believe that it's doing the world or you're going to leave the world a better place because of it. But yeah, you, you can, you are a natural teacher. Um, so I wanted to ask you going into a little bit more, you know, self-awareness, personal journey and all of that. Obviously early on, you recognized that you enjoyed teaching um, and you were good at it, or you uh, at least were good enough to do it in order to become better at it. And you've spent a lot of time and uh, energy on on self-reflection and, and doing all of the inner work, meditation and all of that. What would you recommend to somebody, you know, who isn't 12 or 20 layers into the onion that's just on the, on the outside layer of the onion diving in to that kind of inner journey? What would you tell Ryan DeBell when he began at that time? As a director, I think that uh, <clears throat> buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think that uh, just be just consistently focus on trying to do your best and be patient and. Gosh, yeah, I haven't really thought. I haven't thought about this very much. You know, one thing that not to keep like Elon, Elon, Elon. One of the, one of the things that Elon has said uh, is like you have to have faith that the future is going to be better. Because I think when you confront some really difficult truths about being, you know, alive and on this planet, like we're literally on a on a rock with 8 billion other people who have all the same sort of like life and emotional experiences as you do running around and nobody knows what the hell we're doing. Right. I mean, look at the, look at, look at what's happened with this pandemic, right? We clearly do not have a unified leadership of the species, right? Like it is such a mess and it's all because we have all these weird systems that we've built. Like, the political system and the and the power associated with that and the news and clicks of 
news titles and how companies get money for getting people to click and how that leads to all sorts of crazy things, right? We don't have leadership on this planet. And we have 8 billion weird human animals running around basically all trying to – who even knows what they're trying to do. I think when you realize that there's that that's the real like the reality that that's like kind of scary. And the fact I think that like the fact that we're not all in awe that we're like, well, here, so I was I was walking around the city <clears throat> the other day and I was like, wow, I'm walking around the city, and then I realized if I was um if it was a thousand years ago there wouldn't be electricity. I mean, I don't have to be a thousand years ago to have electricity, but you would look at night when you're, because I was walking at night, you would look and see the stars, right? Yeah. And you would be like, wow, I'm flying through freaking space, stuck to the surface of this rock. But but we don't even have that perspective now. We think, oh, I'm in the city, and you see what they post on Instagram. Whereas like hundreds of years ago, they would have been like confronted with the fact that we're in space. And we don't even think about it. We should be in such awe of how freaking crazy that is. And nobody even talks about it. Like, we don't even talk about it. So I would tell myself, you're going to have a lot of psychological things to deal with in figuring out how to navigate this. And I think that in the the journey of self-discovery and the journey of that is not a pain-free process. And I think that you just need to be ready for confronting the reality of this world, at least that we can objectively tell is, is true. And so I would tell myself, Hey, just have faith that the future is going to be better than the past, which is what, again, Elon said, which I think he's very true. Like, what else are you going to think? If you don't have faith that tomorrow's going to be better than the past, it's terrifying so I think why would you not – again, why would you not choose to tell yourself that story? Like I believe and have faith. Like it, talk about having faith in something. I think having faith that the future will be better than the past is something worthy of having faith in and worthy of putting your energies into having faith in because that's hope and hope is so important. Like I just go on YouTube and I watch these podcasts of like, oh, the end of civilization is near. We're all going to collapse and we're going to be st- – what, what is the point of talking about that? Hey, how about instead of talking about the doom and gloom, why don't we try to do something about it? People are just sitting around talking, making everybody scared, but nobody's doing it. Nobody's right. doing anything to try to make it better. How about instead of talking about, oh, how bad it is and how we're all screwed, well, what are we, let's do something about it. Because if we do something about it, we can change it. And so I think we need to have the faith that we can do that. Um, so I think that's what I would tell myself. Have faith that, if you do certain actions, uh, here we go. Okay. You need to have faith that doing certain actions can lead to a better future and make sure you're trying to get those actions done. Simple, easy. Yeah. Well, kind of. Well, simple, simple, simple philosophy concept, difficult to apply. Yeah. Yeah. The execution is the key, right? Like it's easy to think – like I, sometimes I imagine if I was a fly on the wall watching myself, like what would I actually see myself doing? <laughs> I think that we all 
do a lot more in our head than we actually do with our hands. Right. We, we, you know, that's one of the superpowers of a human, right? You can literally think hundreds of years in advance in five minutes. Like we, it's almost time travel in a sense. We can mentally travel into the future and predict so much and anticipate so much. And we can do that way in advance of before those actions would need to be taken, but we don't do it. Or at least, you know, not enough of us do it. We don't do the things that we should be doing. We need to come together as a species, I think, is super important. And realize that we all need to cooperate. We need to cooperate. And we need to do things to make sure that we don't mess up what we have sort of accidentally built on this planet, which is like stacking tons of people into buildings and requiring trucks to bring food in. Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the saying where, you know, every generation should, its main aim should be to leave the world a better place than what they received it as. And I feel like we've forgotten that overall. Uh, especially when you're living in, in fear and scarcity and, you know, the times that we're in right now, um, yeah. you definitely need leadership. Right. We need, we need people who, we need to make people aware of what, what's going on and what this world is and the realities. And we can't just be doom and gloom. If, that's not leadership. I mean, can you imagine leading a team in a business and being like, well, I don't know if we're going to make it, but right. that's not being a leader. That's right, being a right. pessimist. A leader's yeah. like, look, we got we got challenges, but we got to figure out a way to get out of this. And right. I think that, you know, we have in this time had such a materially pleasant life. I mean, we can just fly around the world. Things just unheard of. The fact that we're talking right now on these microphones. Yeah literally just vibrating electricity instantaneously across the world. Magic, like magical powers 200 years ago. Right. Right. We just, we, and we just like tap on our piece of glass and we get angry that some dumb person that we don't know said a negative comment on Instagram instead of being amazed at the fact that you're using a piece of glass and it's instantaneously communicating across the planet so we just we just don't even have that perspective and i think having that perspective and being grateful for the amazing things we have but recognizing that there's challenges and that through business right because you you're not going to be able to do this stuff just without without some fuel and business is a, an incredible mechanism to be able to make change if you do it in a way that everybody wins through the use of creative imagination which is where the marginal value gets brought into it's like the value and the way everybody wins is because the creative imagination allows you to create something that the value exceeds the like cost of putting it together. So that way everybody can win. Right. And there's ways to do that because, and this is key, there's ways to do that because the universe is expanding and we have so much more energy than we can even utilize via the sun and other things. That's how it's possible. But we're just doing it in such a messed up way. And we need to realize that and we need to, we need to, cooperate to make it work and it's definitely possible of course it's possible there's no reason it's not possible so ryan we're gonna wrap up now um 
I know we're going to have a couple more of these for sure. There's so much more to talk about. We talk a lot on, or online, offline, online, and on Facebook Messenger. Um, but last thing I want you to leave everybody with is, number one, what is your own unique genius in your, your own mind? Um, uh, I think I can bring together disparate ideas cohesively and explain it in a way that makes sense. I agree. And where can people find you? Like physically or on the internet? <laughs> physically and on the internet. Well, right now I'm in Argentina, so you can find me in Palermo Chico in Buenos Aires. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to start a website, ryandebell.com, um, soon where I just email out interesting things that I'm doing and like reading and stuff for people who want that. That'll be ryandebell.com. It's not up yet, but I'm going to do it soon. Actually, I'm going to have to do it now that I said it. This is the first time I've ever said it on that's Probably, awesome. I guess. Yeah, now you have to do it. Now you, I have to do it. We expect well, it up within a week. First, the, first blog post written within a week. <laughs> well, I'm just going to do it as a newsletter. Okay. Because I, I just I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of books and yeah. uh, and I just want to share with other people the things that I'm learning in that regard. Um, but uh, mo movementfix.com is where I post movement and health related things and uh personally i mean nowhere really i guess instagram at ryan debell but i don't really post that much <laughs> anymore yeah yeah it's tough i try to be as as little as possible on social media and there's like this minimum that i at least have to do but <laughs> outside of that it's uh I think I've realized that I could definitely do without it and be just as productive and, and happy. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. Yeah. You know? Like it's such an instant it's such an instant gratification mechanism that it really can suck you. I think there's there's so much human energy that's just wasted on on there. But I mean at the same time it's useful, especially for a business, right? Because you can show people your product. So I, you know, I've primarily been using it for that. I post a little bit. I usually post on my stories on at Ryan DeBell of okay. uh, silly things I do, I guess. No. But yeah, RyanDeBell.com. I'll have it. I'll make sure that site is up before this podcast goes live. How about that? We're going to hold you to it. You have seven, <laughs> maximum of seven days. Okay. Yeah, that's doable for sure. Let's do it. You can do it. Well, Ryan, it's awesome to have you on, man. I know we'll have you on a couple more times at a very minimum, but um, thank you so much. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for inviting me and putting all the, you know, people don't realize how much work goes on behind the scenes to get a podcast out. So I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, it's your host, Brian Alexander here. Thank you for listening. I had a favor to ask you guys. If you found value in what you heard and in our show and listening to our guests, can you please do me a favor? Wherever you are, please subscribe. Second favor is if you liked it, please share it. That's how we get the word out. And thirdly, if you know someone that would be a great guest, including yourself, please send me an email. It's brian at expressingthegeniuswithin.com. Lastly, if you want to connect, chat, idea storm, or anything in that arena, I love talking to our guests. 
I love learning. I love collaborating. Please reach out to me, the same email, brian at expressingthegeniuswithin.com. And lastly, go ahead and take that free predictive index behavioral assessment on expressingthegeniuswithin.com to learn a little bit more about yourself. What this measures is your drives and the needs and behaviors associated with those drives. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon.